Well, thank you, Ray, for filling in for John this morning. I always love when you, yes, <laughs> you bring joy of worship in a special way. God works through you. And it's good to be able to give John time out. Um, one of the benefits we have of being underneath uh, organizations is that they love to love on those who are serving in our church. And so uh, Blue Bonnet Baptist Association uh, provided a retreat that both uh, John and his wife and Jude and his wife were able to go to uh, to just be um, blessed. And, and, and the retreats that they do are mostly just a retreat. It's it's uh, here, let's all meet, let's feed you, uh, now let's give you some things, and then here, let's provide empty space for you uh, to just enjoy each other. So praise the Lord uh, for that and what God is doing to encourage those um, who are investing in the gospel here at Hope Church. If this is your first time this morning, welcome. We're so glad that you could join us this morning. My name's David. Uh, Ruben here is a, our co-pastor. He's going to be teaching in our Spanish service uh, in the next hour. Um, praise the Lord for what he's doing. We are one family here with two languages, but one hope in Jesus Christ. I love that. I'm going to say it every single Sunday. I think I have since we started. Um, it's a part of who we are, and so um, it's important. Well, this morning, um, we're continuing through a series uh, we've called Ambassadors. We started in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and looking at the truth that we are all ambassadors um, of the hope of Jesus Christ, that, that as, as those who have been reconciled to God, now we are part of that ministry of reconciliation as God is speaking through us to others. And, and so what we're doing in this series is encouraging all of you that you are part of that ministry. Uh, we're picking a, some memory verses as we go through. I hope that you've already uh, put to heart the first one. We're going we're gonna to revisit it most likely every week, so, so you'll have plenty of chance to put that to heart. But just verses that we can have a way that, that each of us can go to God's Word and show somebody from God's Word what is the hope, what is the gospel, what's the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, I would like to, to just look again at that 2 Corinthians passage um, that all of this series ha has come from. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 18, uh, starting there, uh, speaking, it's speaking of just uh, the fullness of salvation that we have in Christ and being a new creature in Christ. And it says, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you. We implore Kyle. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. That is us as ambassadors, as a conduit of God's grace, the message of Christ. I mean, through us, as he is calling people to himself to be reconciled. So our first verse that we had for memorization last week was Romans 3.23. If we can put Romans 3.23 up on the screen. Um, 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We looked into that last week. Um, it was the first time I've had to do a sermon on being a sinner. Um, praise the Lord that as we look at this verse and we, and we look at that truth that all of us have sinned, and we look at that in contrast to the glory of God, the purpose that he had when he created us there at the beginning uh, to be worshipers of God, to be obedient to God in the midst of the blessings of God and in close relationship with God. Just the glory of God is incredible. And then when we look at us in our sinful state and, and how just, well, I'd say perverted that is compared to the glory of God. Um, I hope that last week we got a sense of our fallenness because that dark background of our sin and our fallenness sits behind the glory and the light of his love for us. And so that's what we're gonna look at this morning. Certainly, Romans 3.23, we mentioned last week, it's easy to remember a verse that's very good to follow that with is 6.23. If you can remember 3.23, you can remember 6.23. Put that up there. It just tells us, first, what's the big deal about us being sinners falling short of the glory of God? Well, the wages of sin is death. And if you're explaining this to somebody, you can explain even further that that death isn't just a physical dying. This is a death that ultimately we face the wrath of God and eternal suffering for our sin, but then the good news. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so that's a great verse to follow, Romans 3.23. Go to Romans 6.23. But our memory verse this morning as we're looking at the love of God Still in the book of Romans, Romans 5, 8. If you could put that up on the screen. Let's say it three times to kind of get it to set in our, in our minds. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Second time. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. One more time. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's the love of God. That, that love of God shown for us, that's what it's talking about in John 3.16. Probably the, the most memorized verse out there is John 3.16. For God so loved the world. I think we've all memorized it in various versions so that we don't even know what version we're saying anymore. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him would not perish. See, what we face is the wrath of God. We should not perish, but have eternal life through faith in his son, Jesus. See, that what follows that verse is that he's not sending his son, Jesus, to go condemn the world. What's clear there is that we're condemned already. He's sending his son into a world. He sent his son into a world Condemned, facing the wrath of God, facing the justice of God, God's perfect justice and righteousness, but sent his son out of his love to save us, to reconcile people to himself. That is the message that we have. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that it doesn't end with all have sinned. God, that even from the beginning of the world, you had a plan you were putting into place 
a means of reconciliation where those who have rejected you, who are against you, who are deserving of your wrath, God, us, we would have a way back to you through the sacrifice of your son. So God, as we look into your love this morning, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts that we would know your love, God, that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. That is what we're gonna look at this morning, the love of God. So much better than talking about our sin. But it's, but it's into our sin that the love of God comes. The love of God. Our, my first question, I got three questions for us. I like to do that in the handouts. Three questions for us to take away from this this morning. The first question is, do I know God's love? Do I know it? Is it something that I experience in my life and I recognize as God's love working in my life? When, when we think about love, um, we got all sorts of interesting ideas about what love is uh, in today's world. Um, recently, the topic of Princess Bride came up because they were talking about making a, a, secret, a, a remake of it and everyone was up in arms. No, you can't remake Princess Bride. Well, you know, true love. Or as the priest says, love in the Princess Bride. And that, that, that romantic idea of love is kind of what we sense love is. You know, to be so taken up with someone that you do want to give of yourself to that person. There's a selflessness to it but, it, but it's being taken up with that person. It's because of an attraction to a person that we generally think of this romantic idea of love. But then what we find out in the Bible is that that our definition of love, we can't even know love without knowing God. That's in 1 John chapter 4, the love chapter. We'll, we'll hit a little piece of that this morning. In fact, it, it, the Bible says that God is love, and in God is the definition of love. So what is the love of God? The love of God is, is eternal. It's perfect. It's selfless in a way that we don't experience selfless love or, or have selfless love within ourselves. See, when, when we talk about being in love or having this person that we really love, there's an attraction there. What is Romans 5.8 telling us? While we were still sinners, while we were those profaning the holiness and glory of God, while we were enemies of God, while we were not lovely in his sight, God loved us. It's a whole different kind of love than what we normally think about. Let's go to that Romans 5.8 passage, but let's, let's look at the context around it. Turn with me to Romans chapter five. Starting in verse six, it says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Here, here Paul, in writing Romans, is, is getting us to think about just that idea of who would we die for? Who would I die for? What, what would be that situation that I would give so much of myself that I would be willing to actually give up my life? A righteous person? Someone who, who does right things before God? 
Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. Maybe someone who, who is making a difference in this world, they're a good person, that if it came down to it, my life for theirs, that I would give my life for them. Then he says, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, continuing verse nine, we have now been justified by his blood. I know that's what it says. Yes. Justified by his blood. That's what Jesus accomplished. That's what God accomplished when he sent his son. Justification. See, his eternal love is there simultaneously with his, his eternal justice. There simultaneously with his eternal mercy, which is there simultaneously with his, his eternal righteousness. All of it, grace and truth. Every part of God exists eternally and perfectly, continually. And so when he's bringing his son to love us, he is at the same time justifying us, satisfying the justice of God in the moment that he's satisfying the love of God for us so that the wrath of God for us is poured out then on his son, justifying us, his righteousness now being displayed to the world, his justice being displayed to the world, that God is righteous, God is just, and God is loving in that moment that his wrath is poured out in his son for us. Our sin paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. It continues much more. So since we've been saved, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, that justice has been done, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That's what we're being saved from. That's what's in view. That's what, to everyone that doesn't know Christ, what's in view is the wrath of God ultimately. And if we can take that to heart and really believe it and know it, that will help us in having a burden to share the love of God, to share the message of reconciliation with those who don't know God because what are they facing? They're facing the wrath of God. It's what we are facing. But now, by his life, by his death justified and by his life saved from the wrath of God, for if, we, if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Oh, the joy of salvation in Jesus Christ. And that's what he says next. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have been reconciled to God. And that begins life. Do we really, in every moment, get the love of God for us? I think there's times when you forget it. Um, and Satan comes in and wants to say, no, look at, look at your past. Look at things that you've done. And I know a few years ago, um, I was talking to a good friend, and he was, I forget exactly what his question was, but, but he asked me something to the effect of, you know, what, what is that thing that Satan uses in your life? Or, or what, is it, what, what is it something that you fear most or that comes up when you are looking to follow God and, and you're looking to, to, 
to do what God has put into your life to do. And, and what came to mind immediately in that moment was something that at that time I was still struggling with. I had a secret sin that I had struggled with my, my whole adult life. I had an addiction to pornography. And praise the Lord that since then, God brought me to a place, gave me the courage to confess that to my wife, to put that into the light. And praise the Lord for a wife who walks with me in that. And and in transparency, I'm able to have victory over that sin. But at that time, that was a thing that that just, it immediately came up into my mind. That that is the thing. And and what I told my friend, because I wasn't letting anybody know of, of the struggle that I had at that time. I said, you know, it's what is most fearful in me is that what God has called me to, I'm not qualified to do it. And that was really the essence of it. And he encouraged me and said, David, have you taken that to the Lord? How about you just take that to the Lord and ask him to tell you what he has to say about it? So I did that in quietness, praise, say, God, how can you use me? And what he impressed on my heart like only the Holy Spirit can. And David, I died for that sin. I paid for it. What sin, what past, what guilt you still go back and say, you know, who am I to call myself a Christian? Who am I to, to expect to be used by God, to be an ambassador of the message of reconciliation to other people? Who am I? Take that to the Lord and let him speak into it. How much he loves you. How much he loved you on the cross. A completed work that's finished. We need to know the love of God. So now we're ambassadors who have been loved by God. What part does love play in being an ambassador for Christ? Let's go to that love chapter, 1 John chapter 4. We're, gonna, we're not going to hit the whole thing. We'll hit verse 15. I encourage you, take time in that chapter. This is a great chapter. All chapters are good in the Bible. This is a wonderful one. All about the love of God. Starting in verse 15, it says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. That's salvation. You confess Jesus is the Son of God. He's my Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart. He has saved me. That's it. It's the free gift. I didn't have to earn that. God accomplished it on the cross. Verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Boy, I want to know that. I want to believe that. I want to know the fullness of it. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Where does my confidence of salvation come? Certainly here, as we see the love of God being worked out in my life towards others, that's evidence 
That's evidence of the reality of my salvation. So, so I don't have fear of judgment. And, and continuing in, in verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That's true in so many ways. Anytime you have a situation where you're going, no, I can't take the path that has to do with loving. If I was to, to look at two paths, and one path expresses love and the other one doesn't, think how the one that doesn't involves some kind of fear. I can't love because, and that statement somehow tied into fear. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And if we go back to the beginning, I think in chapter two of 1 John, if we keep his word, we're perfected in love. It's, it's following Christ, following Christ. And, and his commandment is that we love one another. So it's this process in us of being perfected in love. We love, verse 19, because he first loved us. That's the reason. God's selfless love poured into us. Our reason for then carrying that out to others is because he loved us. So then as ambassadors, how's that work? Well, God's love has been poured out into me, and, and if I'm thinking, okay, and I'm, I'm an ambassador of Christ, and, and what, how does this all work? Well, then the next step is, is that then I'm going to carry the love of God to those in my community, to those around me, to those who don't know Jesus. That's the next step. And that makes sense. But when I dig into God's word, that's, and, and that is ultimately where we're going to go with this, but it's not the next step. There's a, there's a step before that. In verse 20, it says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. He's saying, if you expect, if you say that you have the love of God that you're going to show and you're carrying hate for your brother or sister, but what brother means here is someone who is saved, someone who is in the family of God, someone uh, who is, is your brother or sister in Christ. If we say we have the love of God but have hate for our brother or sister, then we're a liar. We don't have the love of God in us. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. But really, God? You know, you know maybe, maybe there's a brother or sister that, you know, I, I really don't want to love them right now. But God, isn't, isn't your, your purpose to go out in the world, to be an ambassador for Christ, isn't, isn't that primary and, and isn't that most important to what we're doing here? And, and if you look at our vision statement, can you put up our vision statement? Our vision statement is Hope Church. Two languages, one hope, together loving our community. Loving our community, isn't that what we're about? Isn't that what God has called us to? So is it so important that I love my brother and my sister? What we find is 
throughout scripture, if I dig and, and, and where do I see the outworking of love most often? It's in that first word, together. And you know why? As I'm seeing the wisdom of God in this, is that the loving word is not my love. It's not my generated love for people. No, that's God's love. And for that to be real and, and, and set apart and different, we're not just a, you know, a community group getting together to go make a difference in our community. No, we're here set apart as the body of Christ to show God's love to the community. And in order to accomplish that, we've got to do it God's way and his wisdom and direction. So if loving our community is going to be the actual love of Christ poured out, shown, and demonstrated to this community, then God's purpose in what together means is vitally important. Let's look what Jesus had to say about this. It's always good to look what Jesus had to say. In John chapter 13. John chapter 13, this is when in the Last Supper when uh, Judas has actually just exited the room, so it's the remaining disciples there um, with, with Jesus. Um, and I want to start in verse 34. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. Is it the commandment to go out and make disciples? No, it's, he's not getting there yet. He'll, he'll get to that after he has died and risen. But this is, this is the starting place for his disciples. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people, all people, those who don't know Christ, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You see where God's going with this. Evidence that, that these people are not just any group. This, these are God's children. This is God's family. Evidence to the whole world. Look, look over a few chapters to John chapter 17. Jesus, in this context, has been praying for his disciples. Uh, but in, in verse 20, uh, he includes us in that prayer. He says, uh, I do not ask, and, and he's been praying that they be sanctified in the truth. That's what he was just praying for. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, us. What is he praying for us right before going to the cross? that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that, why? That the world may believe that you have sent me. So that the world will believe that God sent his son because he loves them. That's why we should be unified, and, and, and we're being invited into this unity that is between the Father and the Son. He's saying, just as I'm in you and you're in me, now they would be in that. To have that same unity in that relationship between the Father and the Son. And continuing in verse 22, the glory that you have given me, 
Jesus saying to the Father, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. We have the glory that was given to Christ now in us. The, the glory that's going to accomplish this unity in us. I in them, Christ in us. And you in me, that's the Father in Christ. That they may become perfectly one so that why? That the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. That's why. That's why it's so important. The love of God in us first poured out to our brothers. The second question, if you haven't got it already. What did I have it as? My brother. Coming straight from 1 John. Am I loving my brother or sister? (laughs) I praise the Lord for what I've seen in this church. I praise the Lord for what I've seen in this church. Love, Christ love, selfless love that only happens through God's love working in us. I've seen that. And and that encourages me because I know God is going to use that to reach this community. God is already using that to encourage us and build us up to glorify him so that his love is seen in us. Praise the Lord for what he's doing. The love of God. All right, but this does ultimately get out into the community. Final question, am I loving my neighbor? Am I loving my neighbor? What does that mean? Who's my neighbor? Well, in in Christ's, in God's design, who does that entail in my life? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter five. I didn't put this reference in the notes, so if you wanted to add it, you can. Matthew chapter five In verse 43. Jesus says, You have heard it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We can't be very selective here. My neighbor, the one I'm loving, is gonna include my enemies. Why? Verse 45, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. What that's meaning is that as a son, you, you carry the characteristics, the, 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 the image of, but, but as a son would, would carry the likeness of a father, we are supposed to carry the likeness of our father who is in heaven. And so he says, look at the Father. Um, For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. There's, There's no partiality with God. His grace and his love shown through creation the sun shining, the, the rain falling, it, it's equal on those who are evil and those who are good. And so we are supposed to reflect the character of the Father, that there should be no partiality in our love 
for those around us. Even if it's that person who is trying to hurt us. Even if it's that person who is persecuting us. Doesn't mean I'm supposed to like that person. But without partiality to love, with Christ's love, not something that I can come up with in myself, certainly, but because he has loved me, now that love, I can pour that out on indiscriminately on any person in my life. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? He's, in that time, tax collectors would be a, a bad person. I guess that's subjective today. <laughs> and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He really means that. We're supposed to be, that, that's holiness, that, that's just as God is impartial in his love for a world that is against him. That's, that's the expectation from us. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It, other places, be holy as God is holy. We should be set apart. We shouldn't look like the rest of the world when it comes to loving others. There's no expectation. There should be no expectation on how our love is received. If we love and they fight back, if we love and they hurt back, if we love and they take advantage of us, yes, we are following the example of the Father. It shouldn't make sense to the rest of the world that we continue and continue to love. So what does that look like practically as we're reaching out into this community as ambassadors into our circle of people that may or may not include those who are friends. It may also include those who are frenemies or just plain enemies. There's no one excluded from the list. Well, let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, example of Paul. First Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19. Paul says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. And that's what everything that follows this is going to be based on that. See, in Christ, we are free. We don't have law. The, the law of Christ is to love. That's it. In John 15, this is my commandment, love. And, and you can see all the commandments, of, it's not to go against the law because all the law of the prophets can all be summed up in love your neighbor. We, we see that, love God and just like it, love your neighbor. But so in Christ, I am free. I am, I am free from, from, from having to save my environment. I'm free from that. Does that seem weird? I'm free from that. I, I am free from in anything. I, I'm free to go, to go drink. I'm free to go to an R-rated movie. I'm free. What are you preaching, David? No, we are free in Christ. 
Why? Because we've been justified by Christ. There isn't a law attached to this anymore. But then what is the love? What is the selfless sacrifice that Paul is now displaying in that freedom? He says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. I am going to lay down my freedoms so that I might win some of them for Christ. It says in verse 20, to the Jews, and Jesus didn't have any good things to say about most of the Jews, all of their legalism. I became a Jew to the Jews in order to win Jews. I need to be able to fellowship with them. So I became as a Jew to them. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though, in parentheses, not being under the law myself. And I'm free. I'm not under the law. I don't have to observe these things that they're observing. But in order to go and be with them, I'm going to observe the things that they're observing, but as one who is free from it. That I might win those who are under the law. Verse 21, to those outside the law, Gentiles, I became as one outside the law. We saw Jesus doing that, spending time with tax collectors, those evil tax collectors, with sinners, as it was described, sitting down and eating a meal with them. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though, and this is important, he's keeping everything in balance, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. See, there's still a sense of submitting to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna just bring on carnality into my life and ignore what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life. But there's no law that keeps me from inviting an invitation. I don't drink. But, but I'm free. If a non-believer invited me to their house and sat me down to a meal, I'm, I'm free to eat and drink anything that's set in front of me. Now, actually, being under a Baptist association, I signed something to say I won't drink, so maybe now I can't. <laughs> but in Christ, I am free in that. Right? To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel the message of reconciliation, the good news of Jesus Christ that I may share with them in his blessing. Boy, I wanna share in the blessing of Jesus Christ with my neighbors that don't know Christ right now. Oh, the glory to be able to, to get together with him someday and to share in this joy that we have in Christ with them. That's, that's his motivation. Because right now, where are they headed? They're headed to face the wrath of God. I don't want them to face that. What I want is to share with them this glory that we have in Christ. And so... It doesn't matter what my rights are. It doesn't matter what my freedoms are. It doesn't matter any of those things. Those things can all be laid down. See, that's love. That's sacrifice. That's often with no return for me to lay down my life to, to go and, and be whatever cause there is around us. 
go be a vegetarian. Boy, that's hard in this church where we have such a good barbecue. But, but, but if, that, if, if for a time I had a friend in my life and they were trying out this thing to be a vegetarian, go be a vegetarian with them. You're free from that. But that doesn't matter. Go join them in that. Love them in that. Whatever it is. If someone's really concerned about our environment, praise the Lord, they're concerned about our environment. Join them in that. Now, now, you continue to know that you are serving the creator, not the creation, that you never cross that line. But that doesn't mean you can't go and join them in, in what they're doing to, to, and, and be there with them. What does it look like? I love that God's already giving us opportunity to just be in the lives of those around us. Um, just this past week, uh, here in the cafeteria, we had, we had barbecue. <laughs> of course we did. Uh, with good barbecue. And, and we were serving the teachers and staff of Fuentes Elementary as they came through here and, and just got to, it, nothing super overly planned. It was just to be there and to see all these Hope Church shirts of people serving them. I love that. And, and then to, to run into one of them later at the grocery store in H-E-B. And because of that familiarity, to be able to say, hey, how's it going? You gotta put yourself into the lives of those who don't know Christ. Love them. If, if there's a line that you're not willing to cross, question, why are you not willing to cross that? Is it for a good reason that it would be, that it would be against God for you to cross that line? Or is it just because you have kind of your own sense of whatever it is? We have party lines. We have... There's so many lines that go through Austin. If I, if I wanna divide on all the different ways that we're divided on, on causes and things that we associate with, whether it's liberal or, or conservative, or it, can you spend time with somebody who's on the far side of every line that you <laughs> has drawn in the sand? Can you be loving to them? Can you say hi to them and be genuinely concerned for them and ask them what you can pray for in their life? Is that possible? Yes, because the love of God is in us. Band, you guys can go ahead and come on up. Boy, I, I love that here we do share in the glory that God has loved us, the glory of his salvation. And I want, I, I want us to grow in that. I want us to be a church that is not just focused on what we can do our, in our community, but actually shows the love of God so that when we go out in our community, it is the love of God that's going out. It's not just us individually in our own strength, but because we're willing to, to humble ourselves before each other and, and make things right whenever they're not right and, and to continue to be persistent in loving each other that we would be an example of God's love, a real example of God's love here in this community. And then, boy, I, I, wanna, I wanna follow the Lord and wherever he leads us, however he leads us to love those around us. And each of you, I pray, uh, that God would show you ways that in your circle that you can begin to be a voice of the message of reconciliation, of the gospel to those that are around you. And I would encourage you, if you haven't already, to, to pray for those that are around you that don't know Christ. 
That's, that's how it starts. It's not gonna be in your strength that you're gonna come up with this way to convince them of the gospel. No, it's, it's gonna be in his strength working through you. And, and as you pray, you're preparing yourself to have a mind that's ready to love, to, to selflessly put your, your own fears and everything aside and say, no, what's important is that I walk in obedience to Christ and he's, he's telling me I need to speak up now. Or I need to just love this person. Maybe you don't need to say anything. You just need to be an example of the love of Christ for a while. And in his timing, in his way to walk in obedience. I want that for us. As we sing this song, this is just a song to, to exalt Jesus Christ. To praise him. Let's just worship our Lord. And, and lay down any fears, anything that we say, no, this is, I can't go there. As, as we've been going through this, if God's brought someone to mind and you're going, that's a person, I can't love that person. Or maybe if God's brought someone to mind, that person doesn't know Christ, but I can't even imagine approaching that person about Christ or how that would even come about. And I encourage you to just lay that before our King. Let him be the one to speak into it. Let's exalt his name. Lord, we do exalt thee. <laughs> God, as we have come from looking at the disparity of our sin compared to your glory, and then now to look at your love, that you cross that, that great divide of disparity, brokenness, to be dead in our sins and made now alive through your love. God, your forgiveness. God, I want to know your love in my life. I want to know it completely. God, I want to follow you down a path. It might not be easy, God, but, but will be good and it will be glorious and it will be full of your love, not just being poured out in my life, but being poured out into those around me, whether they're my brothers and sisters, God, that I love. Whether well, the people in my community, God, that I'm broken for. God, I pray that you would just work in our hearts to, to give us brokenness for our community that needs you. So that we'll be motivated, God, to lift them up in prayer and to enter their life so that we can show them your love and share with them the message of the good news of Jesus Christ that God is not counting our sins against us, but in his son, we have the free gift of eternal life. God, we love you and we praise you, and it is a joy to follow and serve you. It's in your holy name that we pray, amen.